Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh morning. How you doing, everybody? Welcome. Thanks for joining us on this uh, exciting Friday. been a while since I've broadcast on a Friday. I think the last Friday we were on was Erev Yom Kippur, if I'm not mistaken. So thank you for welcoming me to your uh, to your phones and your web radios and your um, your archives, whatever other method you use to listen to us. It's much appreciated. Elev Arechavitz, Aryeh Kunstler, David Dardashti, Haradon Alam, Achsameach was Yaakov Shweki. The Modani Collection, you heard Gavriel Tumbach, David Perlman, Avramel, Avram Fried, and of course Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this October the 20th, the 30th of Tishrei. Today is Rosh Chodesh. Today is Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Today, we in fact uh, do say uh, Yalaviovo and Halel and Musaf. Baruch all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh is the first of a two-day Rosh Chodesh. 
which of course means that the second day of Rosh Chodesh will be tomorrow, Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Tonight, when um, when we say Birkat Hamazon, we'll say both Ritzay and Yalaviyavo. Yeah, it's a real Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Noach. How many people are eating mobble cake? How many people are making rainbow cakes? Uh, how many people are doing other things that are a play on words or... Uh, or, an, or, or some type of uh, allusion to the um, uh, to the Parshas Hashavuah, to the Torah portion on this Parshas Noach. Candle lighting at 547 in the New York area. 547 is candle lighting in the New York area. 547. And um, if you're in Jerusalem, if you're in Jerusalem, candle lighting at 521, which is important for those of us who want to be in touch with people in Israel to realize that once Eastern time hits about um, you know ten o'clock, there's going to be very limited time to say Shabbat Shalom to people in the Holy Land. So keep that in mind, everybody, as the clock continues to move forward or back, I should say, and candle lighting gets earlier and earlier. Speaking of Israel, by the way, one of the comments I saw overnight on our app was a really nice comment. Uh, great listening as I prepare for Shabbat in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Thanks, Nachum. Happy birthday, Jack. And good Chodesh to all. I want to thank that listener who posted that just after 1 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, meanwhile, Boker Tov, Rosh Chodesh Sameach from Yitzchak in San Antonio, posted that just a few minutes ago. And the Yehudis says, Good Erev Shabbos from London. My NSN gym bag and I are here to celebrate Eitan and Gabriella's marriage on Sunday. Please, God, all the best. And to Eitan and Gabriella, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. So a lot of great things, a lot of wonderful people out there commenting, letting us know that they are tuned in to JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline an hour from now. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Malcolm Holmline and the weekly update coming up 7.40 Eastern time right here at JM in the AM. Shema, 
הרגש הזה, כן נבואה צריך חייזה, דישמה בבייסה, קרס הזה מקרס ידך, החייזה הזה, כן נבואה צריך חייזה, דישמה בבייסה, קרס הזה מקרס ידך, Good. 
sun jacket shaman hand The Lord said, Noah, one more thing Here's the creatures you shall bring Go gather two of every kind And all the others shall stay behind Seven pairs of flying birds and kosher things He rounded all the creatures up And led them into the boat The people snickered and they laughed On land it's not gonna float But no award you'll change your tune Cause soon we're gonna embark And reservations are filled up Say you know, 
J.M. and the A.M. Micha Gammerman wraps up hour number one at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. We are not going to present our news from Israel this morning. I apologize. That will return as a feature next week. Matis does a great newscast on J.M. Sunday, and uh, we try to do the Galitzal one uh, Monday through Friday, just not this morning, and I apologize for that. Safam, before that, they're going to be coming, of course, uh, to the Atid Society event on December 3rd as Livingston, New Jersey, and its surrounding area gets ready for that amazing night. And uh, there they were with uh, Noah and the Ark. What a song. Based on my estimate... That song, I guess, was released almost 40 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Menucha with Yehia Chodesh. Dove Hendler with Yehia Chodesh. The Weiner Brothers with the Modani Country Jam wake-up song. And, of course, Benny Friedman had Kulam Sharim to open up that set. JM in the AM at two minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning, all. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us coming up here. For the weekly update, we'll have that for you. Um, 
Candlelighting time in the New York area, 547 on this Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos. Again, 547 in the New York area. It is a Rosh Chodesh morning, the first of a two-day Rosh Chodesh, which means all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, Yalav Yavo, um, Halel Musaf, special Torah reading, uh, all gets included in the uh, in the services today on this Rosh Chodesh morning. Big shout-out to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com continues to utilize a whole bunch of great content from us here at the Nachum Siegel Network as they continue to... Um, uh, to um, send out and make people aware of some great news stories from around the world every single day. So a big shout-out to OnlySimchas.com for that. Also a reminder that um, you could sponsor part or all of a JM and AM broadcast in memory of somebody or for a Fush Lema for somebody or um, in honor of somebody. You could sponsor all or part of a JM and AM broadcast. You could also sponsor uh, our... Um, our um, 24-plus hours of Kalbach that is coming up uh, starting Saturday night, the 4th of November. Uh, all you got to do is go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. If you go to that website, everything I just mentioned is available, and uh, it's a pretty simple process, and we thank you for your support as we continue to grow here at the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up. Here's Leif Tahar.
החיים שלי ידעתי שאין לנו לסמוך, אין לו על אבינו, וזו הדרך שבחרתי ללכת בעקבות השורשים שלנו. ואיזו מתנה קיבלתי להיות יהודי, להיות בן של מלך, ועל כל מה שעברתי אמרתי תודה כי זו
J.M. in the A.M. Looking forward to Mordechai Shapiro coming in to discuss the brand new album. That's Machar, his title track here at J.M. in the A.M. Rosh Chodesh morning on a Friday. It's Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshbon. It's a Friday and Shabbos two-day Rosh Chodesh. Thanks for joining us. Candle lighting on this era of Shabbos Parshas Noach in New York. 547. 547 candle lighting time. Before Mordechai Shapiro, Michal Przanski and Bo near Code. That's brand new. Yehudi Ma'amin, Amram Adar, and Yidel opened up. Oh, no, Yidel had Leif Achad, and Leif Tahar opened up with the Good Shabbos selection off of Leif Tahar, volume number four. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM, weekly update. Malcolm Honline joins us at 7.40 Eastern time, about 10 minutes from now. If you know of people out there who want to hear the weekly update, and for whatever reason, the only way they can connect to our network is by telephone. You can give them the phone number, 605-562-4400, to listen in today and any day, 605-562-4400. And um, they'll have access to the uh, network, and they'll be able to hear at any moment uh, throughout the entire day what's going on. Uh, don't forget, we have incredible programming all day long, starting at 9 a.m., Naomi Nachman features teen chef Eitan Bernath and Melinda Strauss, creator of KitchenTested.com, and Kosher Feast coordinator Esti Berkowitz. 
That's all happening in a brand new edition of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman that starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time here right after JM in the a.m. Uh, then the Arab Shabbat Show with Mark Zamek, sponsored by Kedem, with plenty of Rosh Chodesh music, plenty of Parsha's Noach music. It's all there. And then the Arab Shabbos music mix uh, brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem all the way until candle lighting time. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis hosts JM Sunday Live this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is a weekend full of great programming after we leave the air at the 9 o'clock this morning after JM in the AM. Big shout out to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com. Check out their incredible news feed. They have so many amazing stories that they're sharing with everybody around the world. OnlySimchas.com. Plus, don't forget, they're also the experts when it comes to Simcha news. Who doesn't love Simcha news? OnlySimchas.com is a very reliable source for that, that's for sure. So check it out and enjoy. And we thank OnlySimchas.com for um, including a lot of our content in their news items it is much appreciated. By the way, Lower East Side of Manhattan, and I guess I should say all of Lower Manhattan, and I guess I should also add all of Williamsburg, because these events at Congregation Hassam Sofer very often attract people uh, from over the Williamsburg Bridge. Tonight, tonight, Congregation Hassam Sofer at 10 Clinton Street just south of Houston Street, and literally right off the Williamsburg Bridge, um, invites you to a special Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan featuring Chaz and Yanki Lemmer. Yanki Lemmer is going to be down here tonight. Tonight they start, I believe, 10 minutes after candlelighting time, and tomorrow morning they start at 8.45. Yeah. Cantor Yanki Lemmer, it's Shabbos Parshas Noach. Oh, here it says, tonight Kabbalah Shabbos at 6 and Shabbos morning at 8.45, uh, followed by an incredible kiddish, uh, Rabbi Azriel Sif and President Eugene Weiser of Congregation Chassam Sofer at 10 Clinton Street. Invite everybody in Lower Manhattan and in Williamsburg to come and enjoy Chazen Yanki Lemmer, special Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan Davening. Again, that's tonight, 6 p.m. Kabbalah Shabbos, and tomorrow, 8.45, Shacharis at 10 Clinton Street. It is a one-minute walk from the uh, Williamsburg Bridge, so if you're... If you're in Williamsburg, if you know people in the area, come on down. And certainly, uh, Lower Manhattan, you are invited to uh, anywhere in Manhattan. You're invited to come and to participate either tonight or tomorrow morning. 7.32, 28 minutes before 8 o'clock. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. Time 
J.M. in the A.M. That's Avramel, of course. Listener Sam on the NSN app tells us that uh, he says, Good Chodesh, please give a shout-out to our mashkiach Yoel Kahan for treating us to delicious coffee and pastries here at our facility. Thank you, listener Sam, and big yeshikach to Yoel. Here's Avi Peretz, Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh. It's J.M. in the A.M. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
J.M. in the A.M. Derech Achim out of South Africa. With Lachado the Avi Peretz before that. Ain't owed off of the Kamo Ash brand new album. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. On this Rosh Chodesh morning, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach. First of a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan today and tomorrow. Candlelighting in New York, 547. 547, your official candlelighting time. In Jerusalem, it's 521, so once it hits about 10 a.m. in the Eastern Time Zone, that'll be our last chance to say Shabbat Shalom to our friends and relatives in the Holy Land. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, plenty more coming up. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Continue enthusiastically uh, um, recommend, that's the word I'm looking for, Recommend our network to their hundreds of thousands of readers who want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos to read over Shabbos. You go to jewishworldreview.com. It's a great resource. Big thank you to onlysimchas.com, as I mentioned earlier, uh, always utilizing our content for uh, great stories that they cover around the Jewish world. Of course, Simcha News is their specialty, but now uh, all Jewish news of all types, especially stories you don't see in other places, has become their specialty. Check out onlysimchas.com and do so every single day. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on a Friday morning Rosh Chodesh here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's good to be back with you again. I appreciate it. We face uh, a new winter and look forward to a very healthy year. Bezrat Hashem, healthy for everybody, happy, healthy, and sweet new year. We still say, and of course, a happy 
and wonderful Rosh Chodesh. Who can believe that already a month of the brand new year has passed by? Unbelievable how time flies. Uh, well, many of us are looking with great interest over the last couple of weeks, uh, and really over the last year, uh, with the rhetoric in Washington, D.C. Uh, George W. Bush might be the president that uh, you know the best uh, of all the uh, presidents of the United States. Were you surprised that it seemed to use the public forum uh, to try to direct comments to the president and others in Washington this week? Uh, well, I've known a lot of presidents, and uh, indeed him and he. It, it was a little bit surprising because he's playing a very low-key role but, uh, you know, there is no love lost, I think, between the Trumps and the Bushes, and especially if his brother ran, and I guess they resent the way he was treated. But uh, I think this is just, uh, you know, him being true to himself, and he gives expression to it. People today, it doesn't seem to be um, party lines and party affiliation that's dictating what people say. You see Republican senators being very critical, uh, Democratic senators certainly being critical, so it's a it's a time of uh, when people express themselves very openly and and partisanship seems to be diminished. You know the campaign had a certain tone, and I think many of us thought. I think you and I discussed it. I think many of us thought that once the once we were past January the twentieth of this year, uh, things would calm down a bit and uh, different people parties in Washington. I don't mean political parties. I mean different individuals in Washington would act. In a in a in a more presidential manner, in a more respectful manner, depending if they're president or not, um, and, and that never really materialized, right? Wouldn't you say that that all of that never really came to fruition, and we're essentially in the same atmosphere that we were a year ago? Well, it, it, the, the a lot of the, I guess a lot of that is true, but uh, I, I wouldn't say we're exactly where we were a year ago. There is a lingering. Um, tone, and I think it's true on all sides. I think that the gloves are off in, in every regard, including the media's coverage and the uh, this whole expression of fake news. But but we certainly see distortions and, and see partisanship being expressed in news coverage, not just in op eds, and how uh, this divide that has been drawn. And I think everybody has contributed to it and contributes to it. Uh, the um, you know certainly this campaign brought forward more uh, extreme views and those continue. We saw the you know the demonstration and the Spencer in Florida, others you know who represent the poor and points of view, um, and that there there is a, a climate in the country and it's time to start to reassert the, the, the unity. When we see Congress, you know, virtually paralyzed, and, and a, a switch of a vote or two means whether anything can get passed. Uh, hopefully, we will we will see some efforts at, at greater bipartisanship and cooperation, and within parties and between the parties, so that we move forward. We we, we are facing so many serious challenges right now, yeah. and you know the 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 unity is really the the key. And the only ones we see getting unified are Hamas and Fatah. We see, the, you know, the the Iranians and the Turks and the Qatar. We see the wrong people coming under the banner of of uh, unity and and joint efforts. Even though I think that they're they're not going to last, and it's it's a temporary maneuver in in all of the cases. 
Uh, but here we need it seriously, and we need it with also with the Europeans and with others. And I don't think the blame rests on on any individual or or any oh yeah that I totally side yeah that I totally agree with. I mean, and on the other side of the world, we're so focused and we care so much about what's going on in Israel. And I don't know if you had any opportunity to be there over the last few weeks, but is there any insight you can give us as these protests and demonstrations continue, and a terrible atmosphere? I use that word again you know, continues to develop over there, over these issues. Uh, do you have any insight? Uh, do, 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 you see, do you see any end to this, any good uh, end to this, any unified effort between parties in Israel to, to bring these types of activities to a stop? Well, I was in Israel for the Chagim, and what I saw there was the exact opposite of what we're seeing now. We saw Birkat Kohanim. You saw that uh, I was not there for Slichot, but I've seen the movies of it. The the Friday night, the the crowds were massive, <laughs> and people of every stripe, every kind, coming together um, at the Kotel and the Kotel Plaza and in, in, in all over Yerushalayim, in fact. And there was spirit of of unity, and which is the theme also of Sukkot and and the. Um, camaraderie, there was very little, no tensions, you didn't see incidents, and then all of a sudden, right after the Chagim, to have this kind of, of these manifestations, uh, I think that the, the schools these kids attend ought to be holding them to account. You see some of the movies of the behavior of, of guys in, is disgraceful, and uh, you know, if there are legitimate issues, there are legitimate ways to give expression to, to differences of view or, or concerns. Certainly, what is happening now, blocking roads. I know people who missed their flights because of the of it. Uh, people who who couldn't get to work. This is uh, this is not acceptable, to say the least. Uh, not acceptable. By the way, you mentioned um, uh, some of the uh, some of the things going on in Israel, both on the positive side as well. Explain if you, if you can. I, I don't know why I can't get a handle on it. This amphitheater that was discovered. Uh, in the old city, where exactly is this, and from what era do they believe it's from? Oh, I, I was actually there with my family. We were uh, privileged to have been taken into the area of the dig before it's not been open to the public yet. And it is an amazing manifest uh, place. Uh, I just want to say there was one other manifestation, and that was a parade in Yerushalayim of sixty thousand people, including Christians. Right. From ninety or hundred countries, they called. They actually called the Jerusalem March, right? And the Jerusalem March, and it's now in its fiftieth year, I think. Wow! And but but it has grown so immensely. The whole city comes to a standstill, and you see endless numbers of people. And you see one hundred and fifty from Paraguay, a couple hundred from Japan, from other countries, from all over the world, uh, Guatemala marching under their with their flags and often in their native costumes. And uh, to see, and, and of course, Jews of, of all stripes joining them. Uh, that was another manifestation that went beyond the Jewish community. Anyway, this is a discovery. When you face the Kotel as you approach it, and you know the the you, the arches on the side where you can go into Davin. Right. Underneath that. That's where it is. And it is. So they had to put in a, a, a floor because people, it's, it's adjacent to the plaza, huh. but beneath it in an area that has not been exposed for 1,700 years. Wow. And they found that the Kotel going down eight meters, it's massive. And it has not been exposed or, or uncovered because this area was filled in in the Roman era. 
and they built adjacent to the to the wall a small amphitheater for like two or three hundred seats. It may have been a city council chamber, it may have been uh, for entertainment, but this for the first time exposes what life was like in the Roman era. They have found things going back to the second base of Mikdash, and they believe that with further excavation they will find first base of Mikdash era uh, uh, buildings and, and uh, artifacts. And the the it's an extension. They were looking for the extension of the uh, water tunnel, which you can see. But also they found the flat stones, which show that this was part of the road that goes all the way back down towards uh, Meshiloach. Unbelievable. And to see something that for almost 2,000 years, Jews have not seen, no one has seen, because they fill it in with all sorts of, you know, and, and then build on top. That's in the Middle East. People didn't destroy. They just built layer on layer, which right. is to our benefit, because today we can uncover those layers and, and get a picture of life. And, and as I have said many times, every single thing just validates, Tanakh validates the historical connection of Jews to, to Jerusalem and all of the things that we, we have been taught. And, and it comes Mamish, to life completely there. Because there are people who claim there is no historical connection between that area and the Jewish people. And, and who refute uh, much of this. Uh, you know, the, Josephus is the, is, the, is the testament that they all use to, to describe what happened there, uh, what it was like in the Roman era. Now we will have uh, a much more firsthand uh, picture of of what went on and also what what, what Yushalayim because the Romans destroyed Yushalayim and they built Alina Capitolina there in its place trying to eradicate the Jewish connection and something that we see at UNESCO these days the same thing that they did then they changed the name to Palestina uh, from Judea because they wanted to try to erase the Jewish connection and now two thousand years later they lost. And we're winning. Unbelievable. Malcolm Holmline with us, weekly update. All right, so obviously you've had an opportunity to speak to some of the Israeli officials. I know not all of them are, you know, completely active in terms of their work schedule during the Chag and during this period of time. But nonetheless, a couple of questions I need to ask. Um, Israel's been criticized, or some of the Israel's leadership has been criticized for weighing in on right-wing party influence on certain elections in Europe, Austria being the most recent. Is Israel and its public officials actually voicing opinions regarding what's happening in other countries' elections at this point? Well, people are expressing concerns, do we, as do others, uh, American officials also, about the emergence in Austria, Germany, and other France uh, of uh, extreme right-wing parties. Uh, This is Obviously, it's very critical to Israel, let's say, the relationship with Germany. Uh, when uh, Mrs. Uh, Merkel uh, had the lowest number that I think she had in, in all of her races, she and has to form coalitions in order to avoid being with the extreme right. She had to form coalitions uh, with other parties. And the, uh, you know, the emergence of this and, and what past history teaches us is that you have to take notice when extremist parties emerge. It's a reflection of things that are going on in society, and whether that some of it is anti-immigrant, some of it uh, is uh, motivated by economic uh, concerns, but uh, 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 there is a strong um, theme of anti-Semitism 
amongst some of them. Yeah. Uh, some of the parties, some of them, of course, profess that they're pro-Israel or that they are not they're pro-Jewish. But the fact is that there are in all these parties uh, strong anti-Semitic elements, and frankly, we see it here in our own country too. Right, and none of it surprises you based on what's happened over the last couple of years in in you know somewhat in the United States, but certainly in other European countries as well. Right, and that's why the divisiveness and the partisanship that we discussed earlier yeah. gets exploited by parties like that. Oh, it's so true, it's so true. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, about this arrangement, this agreement, this uh, treaty between the PA and Hamas. What could you tell us about this new arrangement? Are they in fact, uh, are they in fact now peaceful political allies? I would not count on it, and if anybody's thinking of investing in this agreement, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, you know, the United States and Israel have both put forward the requirements that they expect from from uh, this deal. None of which will be met. The first and foremost was recognition of Israel. Hamas has said clearly that they won't do it. Um, turning over the weapons, uh, it's disarming uh, Hamas. They've said they won't do it. I don't know if Fatah has the capacity to do it. They want to bring them both under the power of the, or, or, or ostensibly under the umbrella of the Palestinian Authority so that they can negotiate. Egypt played a key role in pulling this together. One, it, it asserts their leadership, but two, you know, they would like to see quiet in Gaza, uh, especially because of the relationship with ISIS and their activities inside Sinai. There's no love lost with with Hamas and, and Egypt. And Egypt felt this association, this treaty, would bring peace to that area. Well, not peace, I said, it's sort of calm. Quiet, that, right. And, and give them greater control over the role that uh, Hamas plays, because Hamas has been working with uh, ISIS. They, I reported on this many times yeah. here yeah, about, sure. the, you know, they take them hospitals, weapons flow, other things. And um, uh, Egypt, you know, closes the border, well, another factor that I think helped is that Israel's barrier, which will be completed by 2019, but is already becoming very visible in the south, uh, has created a new reality for Hamas that they know then that the tunnels and other things are going to be uh, much more difficult. And um, and so that Israel set forward the requirements, not only about disarming, but that the MIAs have to be returned, the uh, fallen uh, Israeli soldiers and the Israeli civilians that they're holding, and the PA has to have full security control in Gaza, uh, including at the crossings. Some of these things Hamas is willing to do now because they're broke. They're under tremendous financial pressure. You know, they get electricity three, four hours a day because the PA stops it, not Israel, and that the PA has to continue to act against uh, Hamas terror infrastructures in Judea and Samaria. Uh, I, I don't know that, um, and, and severing ties with Iran. So those are... are Does- expectations that I think won't be won't be realized but does any of this matter to Israel do Israeli officials care what of course they care a lot because you could be seeing a scenario that was described to me of of how Khalid Mashal will emerge as Abbas's successor out of this and that may be the the interest that they are are pursuing so a Hamas Hamas leader would be the quote-unquote PA leader of the entire umbrella of, of Right, because Abbas is 83 right. and keeps talking about retiring and quitting, and there's no successor on his side. And Bargudi, by the way, that, 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 that may be the secret, has diminished in his uh, popularity. But if you look at what the United States has also asked for, they want to accept, and, and Israel also, that they have to agree to all the previous agreements and obligations 
including to disarm terrorists. And you know, that's not going to happen. Hamas is not given the weapons. So whatever we see now is, is, you know, we've seen this act before. It is serving their purposes because they need it. Hamas needs it. The PA needs it. Right. Each for their own individual reasons. And, and it's now, not a marriage of, of love. And what you just said is, is it seems to be the now now it's understandable why uh, Hamas uh, uh, went ahead with it. The political power plus the financial power is all in the PA, right? And the money has has uh, a lot of it has dried up. Uh, even the Qatari money now goes through Israel through to specific projects. So and Iran. Uh, still gives them money, but it's not. Yeah, I was just going to say, Hamas, Hamas can't exist in the Iranian financial contributions. I always thought that money was unlimited from Iran when it comes to funding terror groups around the Middle East. No, it's not unlimited. Um, and Hamas, you know, they, they had a very strange relationship because Hamas didn't back them in Syria and mm-hmm. didn't back Assad uh, because of Assad's persecution of the Palestinians in Syria. So they, they broke completely. Then there's been a resumption uh, of uh, aid. Turkey has also started to give money. Uh, so they have an alternative source, but th- their needs are very great. Remember, this is a kleptocracy. You have um, a third of the people work for the PA, for the uh, government there, and uh, uh, much more, more than half, actually. And the PA is cut by a third the amounts of money they pay them. So you have a tremendous internal demand for the for the Hamas government to do something. By the way, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry for interrupting, but Iran is probably unhappy with this arrangement. That their 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 power, their influence uh, on that side of the Middle East now is a bit diminished. Wouldn't you say? No, because they, they their goals are very limited, and what they want is the ability to have a base against Israel. I, Hamas, which is not diminished, that still continues to exist. And they have Islamic Jihad. They have other groups that they work through, and in fact, were their primary uh, beneficiaries. Uh, so they don't like to see Egypt getting uh, the credit and and being strong, uh, and and CC in particular. But um, I, I would not uh, say that that their role is in any way diminished. If anything, we're seeing Iran being more aggressive, spreading out more. Uh, and Turkey uh, also, as we've talked about many times, right? You know, but if you're spending, but if you're spending less money on Hamas, and they have other, you know, and they have other routes for, for you know financial assistance now, namely the PA, wouldn't that automatically mean you have a drop less influence or not? Yeah, but they're not spending less, and the PA doesn't have the money really to meet the needs, uh, all the needs of of. Uh, they're counting on the fact that the United States and others, and that's why I try to give the requirements that. The both sides put out because right. without meeting those things, they're not going to get the additional money. All right, understood. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Fridays means weekly update here at JMNAM. All right, I think we've kept everybody in suspense long enough. <laughs> you know the issue that everybody tuned in to hear about this morning. It's obviously the Iran deal. Uh, take us through the last couple of weeks and what's been happening in Washington. It seems like the president is certainly strongly leaning toward eliminating this Iran deal. Uh, I can't find anybody of significance. Uh, both Republican and Democratic leaders seem to be against that action. 
advisors from Israel, including former prime ministers at this point, are telling him not to do it. The EU, I don't have to tell you, the European leadership is dead set against it. What could you tell us about the, uh, you know, the 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 immediate past and uh, and the present regarding the Iran deal? Okay, so it's obviously very complicated because uh, it, 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 the president really didn't do what everybody thinks he did. He didn't decertify the deal. He certified and commented on a particular provision in the agreement, which Congress put in. He is required every 90 days to certify, and he did not do that. He did not. And Nikki Haley spoke about the fact that they're not abandoning the agreement now. But what he, he's doing is sending uh, a warning shot. And it's a very powerful one. It's an important message because the Iranians are violating both the spirit and letter of the agreement, but more. But additionally, also the things beyond the agreement, like the ballistic missiles test, which is a violation of a Security Council resolution, the aggressiveness against other countries in the region, the support for terrorism, uh, all of the issues. And there you have bipartisan support. We saw new... Uh, sanctions against the Iran Revolutionary Guard being designated a terrorist entity, and some 70 entities were being sanctioned in various countries, from China to the Ukraine, who have dealings with the IRGC. Uh, it is a significant move. There, there are other sanctions now in, in the works, and the president, by taking this action, shifted the onus to Congress and said, okay, now you come up with additional sanctions that will push Iran to be more in compliance. There's also provisions of the agreement that this is a second track where even some of the European countries are looking at ways that they could strengthen uh, these provisions, including the sunset clause, meaning the end of the agreement, which is only a few years away, a blink in in historical terms. And talking about extending it, uh, Israel would like to see it without any deadline. And I heard administration officials talk about 50 or 100 years or forever. Uh, the, 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 there is a universal agreement, that I think a bipartisan agreement about Iran's role and it, the need to, to contain Iran, the need to stop Iran's uh, aggressive, aggressive activities to, to block them in Iraq and Syria, their, their role in, uh, in Lebanon. They are obviously a dominant force today in, in Syria, in Iraq. They, they're talking about building a railroad now from the Mediterranean to Tehran. There's certainly this cross-national highway. It's part of the Shiite crescent that they want to create, and, and they extol their, their dominance of those countries, uh, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, as well as Yemen, and are active in, in many other places, especially in the Gulf, trying to undermine the governments. So the action that was taken by the president is is really putting them on notice and that the uh, deal is not affected by what the president did. He has said, though, that if Iran continues and if despite everything that's done, then he would consider pulling out. The Europeans have said they will stick to it no matter what. They're making big deals, Total, uh, others, Airbus, uh, even Boeing, making big deals with the Iranians. Uh, that It's purely economic and short-sighted because the Iranians are working to undermine them as well, uh, European countries. The, the, um, uh, the, the, the concern that the people feel uh, was, was reflected in the um, Iranian attack on the British Parliament just during this time where they um, uh, hacked 9,000 emails, including Prime Minister uh, May, and we, we see that Zarif, the foreign minister, says that the U.S. is more afraid of Iranian compliance than non-compliance, and 
challenging uh, the United States. We see Soleimani, the architect of much of their activities and terrorist activities, um, uh, being more active in the region uh, than ever. And I think that, that you'll see um, uh, a greater effort to, to try to keep the United States in the deal, meaning that they will try hopefully come up with some formula for improving the existing deal, adding more sanctions, and this is Congress' responsibility in the Treasury right. Department, where there's a right. remarkable woman, Mrs. Mandelker, who is, who is leading the effort in that regard. It's it's very complicated. And that's why that's why I felt, by the way, and I'm sure some listeners are not going to like hearing me say this. But that's why I felt that the president's um, uh, attitude toward Chuck Schumer was a little out of line because yes, he was against the agreement to his credit, which you know most of us I shouldn't say most of us many of us were you know happy with. We were happy he took that public stand against President Obama's decision. But now that the deal's in place, I don't know if it's illegitimate for him to say. You know, we have to strongly reconsider wanting to eliminate this thing. Uh, well, I think what uh, I, there is more common ground, right, than than the comments I- indicated. Because what Schumer is saying is, we strengthen it; that we we have to see how we make the deal more effective. Uh, and he's, but he's talking specifically about things outside of the deal, going after the ballistic missiles, which is part of their nuclear program, going after the. Um, uh, activities of Iran in the region, the stabilizing activities, the weapons supply, the flows, the support for all of the terrorist entities, Hamas and Hezbollah in, in particular. So the, uh, I think that the strategy that we're, we're seeing is that there's a universal recognition that Iran poses uh, an increasing danger, that, the, that they work together with the allies to stop their destabilizing efforts, that we put additional sanctions, block their financing of terror, and then go after the proliferation of missiles and weapons, and then deny them all the paths to a nuclear weapon. I think those are things in which all the sides can agree, and there is a lot of legislation uh, or various pieces of legislation that are being drafted that would both amend the Nuclear Agreement Review Act to strengthen enforcement and prevent them from developing intercontinental ballistic missiles, amongst other things. But the real question is then, I don't know if you can answer this, but what's the recommendation? Is the recommendation among Jewish leadership that cares about Israel that we should be pressuring our members of Congress to, to work toward the elimination of the deal? Or is the recommendation now at this point, you know, more Schumer-esque or whoever you want to choose, you know, would be considered more moderate on this issue now uh, to, you know, work within the framework of the deal? Well, but everybody is doing that now. The, the, nobody is working to to uh, except the president. Except to, the president. No, he did not call to to destroy the deal. I know, but he's but he, he the way he speaks, it sounds like he's moving in that well, I direction. Think it's important to send a strong message to the Iranians to understand that he means business. I think the action uh, regarding the UNESCO and, and sending the message to the UN that we are serious and we're going to translate it and we're going to pull out of UNESCO, sending a message to the Iranians that we're serious and we're ready to pull out. We're going to not you know, continue to excuse everything that you do. And for too long, they have not been held to account for, for what they do. But on that, I think that there is, a, there is a bipartisan agreement, and the president is putting down markers. And you know that the, the only thing that will stop the Iranians and terrorists is strength. When they confront right. strength, they back down. And what, what they have to see is that there is a resolve. They, they really believe that the West doesn't have 
the determination and the guts to take the steps that are necessary. And they, when they play havoc with our ships, when they can test us, when they test our allies, when they, you know, engage in the activities, and they see themselves succeeding in being able to expand their influence in the way that they have, you have to take strong measures and take strong steps, whether it's uh, shooting missiles into to Syria or, or standing up against uh, the Iranian regime. Understood. With their allies. Understood, but it does sound like if you were asked for a prediction, it, it's highly doubtful that we're going to see a time in the near future of, a, of complete elimination of the Iran deal. It's highly doubtful that they'll pull out? Right. Yes, and I don't think the president is, is saying right now, and that's why I pointed to Nikki Haley, who's right. been very strong on this, but she was very clear that but we're the, not pulling but, out of this but deal the, now. But we the, are taking this step. But the way the media reports it, and especially... Right. especially they try to make it look uh, as more of a divide. And especially... And, and especially the Rubicon on this. It's not, correct. not the case. And especially the way the media reports opposition from Europe, Israel, and other places. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, speaking, by the way, about Israel and uh, former prime ministers making statements, what do you think of this story? Uh, an allegation made by former prime minister and defense minister Ehud Barak that Prime Minister Netanyahu was to blame for the scuttling of a free batch of 20 F-35 stealth fighter jets from the Obama administration. Uh, this was denied by former ambassador to Israel Dan Shapiro. What do you know about the prime minister rejecting this free gift because it was coming from President Obama? Israel would never reject the free gift. I don't think any prime minister of Israel would survive that because the people would, would be very upset. <laughs> uh, we love the free stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I have not heard it. And I think if Dan Shapiro, who certainly was uh, President Obama's ambassador, denies that it took place, I think that's a pretty credible source. But I, Yeah, but Ehud Barak, you'd think. You know, he tells Army Radio that whole the, the deal was canceled because of the tense relationship between the Prime Minister and the President. That's like you know, not a bad not a bad source, right? Uh, well, that we will find out whether it's a good or bad right. source. But the but there was there were tensions, and I know that there were deals that were um, the people's reported were hampered or, or somewhat. But I doubt that not Israel a, ever turned down three F thirty fives ships uh, <laughs> getting planes like that. Uh, because of any kind of peak. Interesting. Um, Israel revealed to the U.S. the uh, the Russian intelligence hacking that's been going on. Um, that that I guess in the international scene, you know, ge- gets Israel some some brownie points, right? Some credibility when it comes to they're the ones who revealed to Washington what the Russian intelligence had been doing, right? Right, but they also revealed to the Russians that there was going to be a terrorist attack planned in Syria against their troops that enabled them to prevent it. So Israel's uh, capacity for data collection, for information collection, their work in cybersecurity, in the, the deep, dark Internet and other sources, their, their uh, monitoring of all of the weapon shipments that, let's say, go into to Lebanon, knowing where everything is. And remember, you're, you're talking about thousands of pieces of information or sources or potential sources. So they saved Russian lives, frankly. Pardon me? They saved Russian lives. They saved Russian lives Now, maybe American lives in one one instance. That leads to the other thing. Again, there was a meeting between Prime Minister Netanyahu and and Vladimir Putin, right? There was another recent meeting. There was a conversation this week. Oh, so it wasn't a meeting. It was a conversation between the two of them. Right. It it seems like they, they speak a lot. 
It seems every time I turn around, there's been another meeting or another phone conversation. Well, there's a lot, you know, people uh, don't realize that for Israel, the, the stakes become higher and higher when we see the buildup along the Lebanon border with the Hezbollah's growth, and the, they're becoming more dominant over the Lebanese army, even though they, they do remain somewhat separate, but clearly Hezbollah is the dominant force. And the uh, fact that, that some of the ISIS fighters that have been escaping Raqqa and other places have moved to areas near the Golan, and then supposedly an agreement that uh, Russia made to keep Iran, Hezbollah forces away from near the Israeli border because they have all tried to encroach on that, and Iran has made that a major goal. So this kind of coordination. Also, when Israel flies, uh, as they did last week to respond to some missiles that were fired, uh, from Syria, but they flew in Lebanon, and from Lebanon took out the, the uh, missile battery. Uh, they have to let the Russians know there has to be clear, close coordination and communication to avoid, uh, you know, the, the, uh, some sort of uh, mishap or the, the habit missiles fired by Iranian uh, by Russian anti-aircraft, which is in Syria uh, against the Israeli planes. So, does, does the prime minister ever get any of his requests fulfilled by Putin? I'll have to ask him. I mean, is it possible that, that, that Russia is that concerned about Israel's interest that they would alter their strategy in Syria or other parts of the Middle East when the prime minister of Israel asked them to? Well, also because they know that Israel, for Israel, these are life and death issues, and, and Israel will have to take the action it needs to take, and they could completely disrupt the, what they would like to see, which is a consolidation of their hold, their stand in in, Iran, in uh, Syria, what Israel is saying to them, don't let Iran become the dominant force, and it's not your interest, it certainly not shouldn't be in Russia's interest, certainly not United States' interest, not the interest of, of Syria, that Iran remain in that position. So I think a lot of these conversations deal with that. It dealt with, with the situation of the, of the Kurds and um uh, and with about the whole question of the Iranian Hezbollah forces and where they'll be allowed to stay. Uh, so those are the issues that supposedly were discussed. Uh, yeah, I hear that. Finally, and you were just in Israel, no doubt spoke to public officials, um, I- immediate building in Judea and Samaria or not? We keep hearing about numbers of unit, units that have been approved, but then again people say it's delayed and way down the road because of international pressure. How would you classify it? Is it going to be immediate building and expansion in Judea and Samaria or not? Well, there is uh, always building, and uh, it's the, the numbers that were originally announced seem to be much, actually much lower than what was originally announced. Uh, but there are permits, but you're talking about the first stage yeah. of the construction, of which is getting permits, as anybody here builds knows. So it could be that these houses they're talking about now won't be built for a while into the future. Uh, there you have it. Thank you very much. My Mal- pleasure. Malcolm Holman is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And a wonderful Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM at 21 minutes after 8 o'clock on this Friday. Candle lighting time in the New York area, 547. 547, your candle lighting time as that clock moves earlier and earlier. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody, and good Chodesh, everybody. Today being 
the first day of Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Noach. In Parshas Noach we are off and running in the sense that we cover the second millennium, the second ten, excuse me, the second thousand years of civilization. We focus on Noach, and the parsha ends with the emergence of Avramavinu. You have in this parsha the terrible generation of Dor Hamabul, the generation of the flood, that because there was a breakdown man to man, they had to be destroyed. Eight human beings and representation of the entire animal kingdom are preserved miraculously for a year in the floating zoo. And then you have the incident of the Dor Haflaga, the generation that was dispersed. There, man was unified, and if you want, you can say he was too, T-O-O, unified. And therefore, there was a rebellion against Hashem, and they are dispersed. As a result of their being dispersed, Avram Avinu is now able to come upon the scene. Interestingly, the opening pasuk of Parshas Noach contains his name no less than three times. The verse reads, Eletodos Noach, these are the literally generations or offspring of Noach, Kama, Noach ish tzaddik, Noach was a righteous man, Tomimo yobidoro sav, he was perfect in his generations, Esu elokim is Noach, Noach walked with God. If you were to write this in your English composition class, so the teacher might say the content is fantastic, but the style using the same pronoun, Noach, three times in the same verse, the teacher would probably circle it in red and say, wait a second, we just don't write like this. The Torah does write like this because our rabbis say Noach lived in literally three different times. He lived prior to the Mabul, to the flood, he lived during the flood, and he lived post, after the Mabul. And it's Noach after the Mabul that I'd like to speak about, that Noach is a righteous man. That is very significant prior and during, prior to, in contrast to his generation. During the Mabul, the Talmud tells us that Noah and his sons were busy literally 24-7, feeding the animals. And the rabbis explain this based upon the verse in Tehillim of Olam, Chesed Yibaneh, that literally our world is based upon Chesed, kindness, the doing of good deeds. And now that the world was destroyed because there was a breakdown and a lack of Chesed, Noah had to create a foundation for the new world order based upon chesed, so he was feeding the animals 24-7. And ask yourself, with all the miracles that existed in the ark, could there not be feeders in each, quote, cage that Noah 
one day a week could have put some food and would have lasted the entire week and he could have been resting and relaxing and the answer is of course Hashem could have done that but there would not have been this energy of chesed that was literally created on and in the the marble and in the teva in the ark which literally provided the foundation for the forthcoming generations so I'd like to focus upon Noah after the flood. Unfortunately, what does the Torah tell us in chapter 9, Pasuk 21? For Yochel Noah Isho Adama. Noah, the Medrash notes, the same man who's called Ish Sadiq, he literally plummets and falls, that the Torah now calls him Ish Adama, a man of the earth. And Vayochel, the Torah says, understood by our rabbis to mean that Noah literally stripped himself of sanctity. Hamavdil ben Kodesh Lachol. The word Vayochel is that of Chol compared to Kodesh, holiness. He now stripped himself of the holiness that he had by planting the vineyard, and as we know, the vine, and as we uh, uh, know, he drinks excess, gets drunk, and unfortunately, uh, Chum, his son, sees his father and the Torah tells us that, unfortunately, whether it's Chum or Kena'an, his son, they castrate Noah, lest he have more children, and unfortunately, the rest, as we know, is, quote, downhill for Noah. I'd like to focus on the very important message that the Torah is telling each and every one of us. We can all make good excuses as to why Noah planted a vineyard. Some say that literally he was looking to rebuild the world and go about his new mission, Besimcha, Yayin Yisamach, as we said this morning, in Borchinavshi, Tilim 104, wine gladdens the heart. And Noah wanted to go about building the New World Order with wine in his system. Meant well, but the rabbis judge him and say this was not the first thing that he could have, should have planted. Others say that, oh my goodness, coming out of the ark, seeing total devastation in front of him. This was a kind of su'udas havra'ah, just as when we return from the cemetery, we have a meal, so the hagaos maimonis suggests that the meal that Noah had, literally um, wine and meat, now he's given permission to eat meat, was appropriate for a su'udas havra'ah. But clearly the message that our rabbis are learning from Noah is as follows. As we find in the second chapter of um, Pirkei Avos, Mishnah 4, 
where Hillel teaches the following very important concept. He begins by saying, Al-Tifrosh Minat Sibor, don't literally remove yourself from the community, and don't literally be, quote, sure of yourself, confident in your ability to constantly be a righteous individual. In other words, be on guard from the Yetzer Hara, be on guard from moral assaults of all different nations, matters rather, till the end of your days, till your last time. And so Noah, who was that great tzaddik, unfortunately allowed his self, and he had his garb down. In other words, his protection was down, and as a result, unfortunately, he fell down. The rabbis teach us, based upon the verse in chapter 15 of Proverbs, and that is, Orach Chaim Lemalo Lemaskil, the intelligent individual realizes that he cannot stand still. He always has to go up. Because if you're not going up, you will go, unfortunately, down. Which happened to Noah. The message, I believe, for us is so loud and clear. We all went through such a beautiful Yom Tov. And indeed, the way the Sfas Emes explains, the Torah calls the Yom Tov of Sukkos Chag Osef, the holiday of ingathering. Literally, what does this mean? That the farmer has putting all his energies, quote, without, into the field, planting, cultivating, watering, nurturing, that which he has planted, and now in the fall, in the season of Sukkos, it's Chag Osif, it's the holiday of the harvest, and he takes his possessions, his produce into his home. Explains the Sfas Emes, Unbelievably, it is Chag Osif, it is the holiday of ingathering for Hashem as well, that as man takes his possessions into his home, namely his home in a literal sense, God takes his possessions, i.e. the Jewish people, into his home, namely the Beis HaMikdash, namely into the Sukkah. And now, after Sukkos, on Shemini Atzeres, which is the holiday of transition from the Sukkah into the home, literally he escorts us back to our homes. And what is the responsibility, what is the task of the Jew to continue? Continue having him into our homes. What does that mean? We said in each of the Shemona Esrei on Yom Tov, literally translated as bestow upon us, or better, literally lift 
the blessing of the holidays upon us, namely that we should take it with us, all of the commitment, all of the high that we had on Rosh Hashanah with the Nisan with the blowing of the shofar at the time of Yom Kippur, be it at the time of Nila, whenever you said the Vidui, you took upon yourselves various resolves, be it during the time of Sukkos, in the Sukkah, Hoshana Rabbah, whenever you had that religious high, comes along Parshas Noach and says, learn from Noach's mistakes. Noach let his guard down, and as a result, he plummeted. And we dare not allow that to happen. We have to keep our guard up. We have to take the Yom Tov with us. And if we can't take the shofar, and if we can't take the Inui of Yom Kippur, and we can't take the Sukkah and the Lulav, but what can we take? We can take the Torah with us. And by committing ourselves to personal Torah study on a greater level, attending another class, getting a chavrusa, calling your local rabbi and saying, who is there in the community that maybe I can serve as a tutor, a mentor for them. And therefore, in the process, not only will they be growing in their understanding of Judaism, but so too will you. And therefore, Parshas Noach speaks to each and every one of us and says... It was a beautiful Yom Tov. Let's keep the beauty of the Yom Tov going. Is it easy? No. I grew up with the expression, Shver Tzizayin Ayid. But this should be our challenge, the challenge of taking Yom Tov with us and making sure that this forthcoming year is going to be one that just like Moshe Rabbeinu, who starts out as an Ish Mitzri, he ends up Isha Elohim. We want to go in that direction and not, God forbid, the direction of Noah. Shabbat Shalom and a good Chodesh to all.
אשת חיל מאמצה, ורחוב מפלילי נחרא, בטח בא לבעלה, ושאלה לא יחסר. אישה יראת השם, היא תתהלל, אישה יראת השם, היא תתהלל. תנו לה מפרי ידיה, ויעלנו המשר עם הזיעה. אישה יראת השם, היא תתהלל. אישה יראת השם, היא תתהלל. תנו לה מפרי ידיה, יהללו הבשר עם Sandy Shmueli, that's Aisha's Chayel off of Anishar, before that Safam with Yom Zeh, playing some Safam these days because they're coming to Livingston, New Jersey for the Atid Society, December the 3rd, as we've been telling everybody. And uh, the Kushner schools and everybody in that area, very excited. And as, I, as I've said now multiple times over the last couple of months, since people started talking about Safam coming to the area, if you've never seen them in concert, you got to see them. you got to see them. They are a professional 
well-tuned, incredibly honed act that is uh, just a pleasure to see and listen to. Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach with candle lighting time at 547 on this Erev Shabbos. 547 in the New York area. It's Erev, oh no, excuse me, it's Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan, and it will be a Shabbos Rosh Chodesh tonight. That's right, a Shabbos Rosh Chodesh tonight we get to enjoy as we... Uh, as we move on to the month of Cheshvan. Tonight at Congregation Hassam Sofer, which is at 10 Clinton Street on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, just off the Williamsburg Bridge, Chazan Yanki Lemmer is going to be in town. So if you're in Lower Manhattan or if you're in Williamsburg, uh, tonight starting at 6 p.m. with Kabbalah Shabbos and tomorrow morning starting at 8.45 with Shacharis followed by a sumptuous kiddish. Rabbi Azriel Sif and President Eugene Weiser invite everybody to come on into Hassam Sofer and enjoy Chazan Yanki Lemmer. That is again happening tonight and tomorrow at Congregation Hassam Sofer on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So check it out. Um, they always do really well with the um, cantorial Shabbatonim that they have, in this case for Rosh Chodesh Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan. Uh, I want to remind you that... Um, the uh, NSN schedule after 9 o'clock this morning is as follows. Naomi Nachman has table for two starting at 9 a.m. Featuring teen chef Eitan Bernath and Melinda Strauss, creator of KitchenTested.com and Kosher Feast coordinator S.D. Berkowitz. All together starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. The Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek is sponsored by Kedem. Begins at 10 o'clock and continues all the way until candle lighting time. With the Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem. Thank you to our friends at Kedem. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night. Matis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday, and Matis will have a rep, a representative from the Great Challah Bake taking place uh, Wednesday in Passaic, New Jersey, on with him on Sunday morning. Again, the Great Challah Bake in Passaic takes place Wednesday. Matis has a representative this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. All right. Um, so keep that in mind. Also, please keep in mind Shmuel Mayer Ben Esther for Rafur Shlema. Shmuel Mayer Ben Esther is in need of a Rafur Shlema, and we ask you and thank you for including him in your prayers and Misha Berach's. Again, Shmuel Mayer Ben Esther, and again, your help with that is greatly appreciated. All right. JM in the AM. More coming up. Here's Mordechai Ben David. Let's go. Let's go. 
joining us everybody great weekend programming keep that in mind as we outlined earlier big big day today on the uh, network starting at 9 a.m just a couple of minutes from now and uh well yeah it started already <laughs> early this morning and uh tomorrow night saturday night seagull jam sunday with matis on sunday morning that's live as uh, matis uh, goes for the world record essentially for 
consecutive Sundays of uh, live programming. Um, Monday morning, we're back. We'll start at 6 a.m. Make sure to join us here at JMNAM. Recommend to your friends, your relatives, everybody you know to check us out. The Nahum Siegel Network app is an amazing way to listen. NahumSiegel.com is a great way to listen. Your web radio is a wonderful way to listen. Um, the phone number, 605-562-4400. If you know elderly people that have not been able to figure out how to listen to us after all this time, just give them that phone number, 605-562-4400. 605-562-4400. Welcome them aboard. And... Um, and we thank you. Keep spreading the word, and we thank you very much for doing so. Erev Shabbos with candlelighting at 547. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Study and you'll pray. Why not wait till I? 
My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Oh, yes. And we thank you for tuning in and being part of this incredible listening experience, everybody. As usual, it is much appreciated. Don't forget, we are here every Monday through Friday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time with great 24 hours of programming round the clock. Naomi Nachman, Table for Two is next. She'll feature teen chef Eitan Bernath, Melinda Strauss, creator of KitchenTested.com, and Kosher Feast coordinator Esty Berkowitz. The video of that show is up right now on the home screen, homepage of NachumSiegel.com. Enjoy. Erev Shabbat Show with Mark Zomik, sponsored by Kedem, begins at 10 a.m., all the way till candlelighting time with the Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. Make sure to be tuned in. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Matis with JM Sunday on Sunday with representatives of the big Wednesday Passaic Chalabake that he will have uh, on on Sunday morning. Wonderful Shabbos. A good Chodesh. Great weekend, everybody. Until Monday, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.